reading from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 35. Uh, In my Bible here, it's titled, The Cost of Being a Disciple. Large crowds were travelling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. You first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Well, suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. When he first sit down and consider whether he is able, with 10,000 men, to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Thank you, Neil. Um, Let me pray as we jump into God's Word this morning. I encourage you to pray along with me. Um, So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for Jesus' words that are are recorded for us here in Luke's Gospel. Uh, And so I pray this morning, uh, this is uh, perhaps not one of the most comfortable words um, that we read in Scripture. Uh, It's perhaps a challenging word. And so I pray this morning that we would be challenged by your word, that we would be shaped by it, that we would be... um, Uh, led by it through the power of your Holy Spirit working within us this morning as we engage with your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, So last week we wrapped up our Sermon on the Mount series. Um, If you're looking for the podcast, if you missed those, apologies that um, there's been a bit of a a bottleneck, a hold up uh, in in that department. But in a couple of weeks we'll be back on track and we'll we'll get all our our back catalogue up to date. Um, so apologies there. Uh, but this week we're beginning a, a, a new series. Over the next four weeks we're going to be looking at uh, what it looks like to hold nothing back. Um, and so uh, if you're familiar with our vision theme for this year of All In, uh, you may already see the connection uh, between the two. And so what we're going to be doing during this series is engaging with that idea again of what it looks like to be all in for Jesus and for his kingdom. Uh, but especially in this series, what we're really going to be digging into are what are the things that, that cause us to hold back? What are the lines that we balk at crossing when it comes to being all in for Jesus? Uh, and, and, you know, the title of the series points us towards a, a conclusion is that, that Jesus calls us to hold nothing back from Him, to be all in for Him. And so today we're going to begin this series, which is a bit of an intro to the whole series, with the idea of no cost being too high. The question is, what does it cost 
to follow Jesus? What does it cost to follow Jesus? Uh, And so in Luke uh, 14, uh, we're told that uh, in verse 25, that large crowds were traveling with Jesus and then he turned to them and taught them. And so the context of this passage we're exploring today is one in which there was large crowds of people following Jesus. So this isn't uh, the Sermon on the Mount that we've been digging into, but it's a similar scenario. We can picture there Jesus' close disciples because they went pretty well everywhere with him, but there's also the crowd, the hangers-oners, those who have kind of experienced, you know, perhaps the, the meal where 5,000 were fed. They've experienced full tummies. They've seen miracles, perhaps, and, and, and they've joined the Jesus bandwagon and started following him with the crowd. And so we're told that Jesus turned to them and said, and, and Jesus' words were extremely surprising for us. He turned them to them and said in verse 26 and 27, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And so we tend to find these words a bit confronting, at least I do. You might be uh, think they're kind of, that's easy. Hate, hate your mother, hate your father to be a disciple of Jesus. Tick for some of us. But still, the idea of hate doesn't really gel with who we think Jesus is, does it? Jesus is all about love. He says, love one another as I have loved you. The the New Testament defines God as simply being love. Not that love is God, but that God is love. And so, so what's this idea that we have to hate to be a disciple of Jesus? Why does he say we have to hate? Why do we have to hate our own family and hate our own life? Is it Jesus' desire to split up your family? Is it Jesus' desire to to break you off from your mother and father, to break you off from your husband or wife, to separate you from your children? Is that what Jesus is getting at here? Is that his desire to break up family? Well, I would suggest that his desire is actually the exact Opposite of that. The scripture talks about restoring children to their mother and father, restoring families. And so what is he getting at here? What do these words mean? And so we can begin to understand it when we understand uh, the concept of hate here. It's, It's not so much wrapped in wrapped up in what we might think of hate in terms of resentment and animosity and and anger towards a person. That's not what's wrapped up in this the original Greek word here in, in, in the New Testament text for hate. It's the idea of denouncing, renouncing, to choose another instead of. It's a comparative thing. It's not what you love in terms of what you have affection towards and what you hate in terms of what you're really cranky and angry about and what gets you rolled up. To hate in the concept of what Jesus is talking about here is to prefer something or someone over and above that thing. And so to hate your 
your, your father and your mother, to hate your own wife and your own children is, is to say that, that compared to Jesus, they are not my priority. The scripture teaches about how we would love our, our wife as Christ loved the church. The scripture talks about how we would actually actively love our family. But, but when it comes to priorities, Jesus is saying, he must come absolutely first if you are to be his disciple. To be a disciple of Jesus means to prefer him above all else, even above yourself. See, the, the hating of family is put into context when we, when we realize that Jesus has put the hating of self in there. Once again, this is, this is not about self-loathing, uh, about being depressed and, and, and hating yourself as we might think about it in, in our Western modern day terms. This is not suicidal thinking. This is a decision that I prefer Jesus to myself. That Jesus is my priority, that I love Jesus more than I love my own life. And so we begin to understand it when we wrestle with what does this word hate actually mean in its original context, but, but we can understand it even more when we think about who Jesus was talking to. Who was in that crowd? See, most of the crowd were, were Jews, Jewish people, first century Jews. There were some others uh, that we know from the gospel stories that, that kind of connected and followed along with Jesus, but the majority of the crowd were people that came from where Jesus was ministering in Galilee. They came from Judea when he ministered there. And, and so this crowd were mostly Jewish people. And so the very real fact for these Jewish people going forward, because Jesus knew ahead of time what was going to happen to him, he knew he was going to be crucified. He knew he was uh, going to have an unfair trial. He knew that he was going to be abandoned and persecuted. And so Jesus knew what was going to happen uh, before it happened. And he also knew what would happen for many of his followers, these Jewish followers, if they chose to follow Jesus. For many first century Jews, a decision to say Jesus is the Messiah, I choose to be his disciple, was a decision to be disowned by your family. For many first century Jews and, and other early Christians, the decision to follow Jesus was a decision to put your life on the line. Many lost their lives, as they do in certain places in the world today, because they chose to be a disciple of Jesus. And, and so in essence, this, this here is Jesus giving the crowd a product disclosure statement before they make that decision of discipleship. Jesus is saying up until this point, You've seen miracles, you've seen healing, you've been fed miraculously from a, a boy's small lunch. Up until this point, it's been all wonderful. But if you really want to be my disciple, you need to decide now that I will come first, no matter what the cost. Because for many, it will cost you your families and even your life. It's a product disclosure statement on discipleship. Or another way of looking at it is, is it's the informed consent before you have surgery. Who here has had surgery? 
And so what happens, I've had some surgery when I was younger. What happens is that before you go into the operation, the surgeon comes and tells you all the horrible things that could possibly happen to you while you're having surgery and then says, do you want me to proceed? Sign this document. Okay, the thing is that you're having the surgery for a positive reason. The reason isn't all the negative consequences. You're not entering into the surgical theater so that horrible things might happen to you. But the surgeon has a legal responsibility to warn you of what the potential cost might be. This is not Jesus saying, the purpose of being my disciple is to break up families and lose your life. This is Jesus saying, if you choose to be my disciple, you need to be prepared that that might be the outcome for you. If you're not prepared to decide now that, in relative terms, you hate your family for love of me, that you hate your life for the sake of loving me, then you can't be my disciple. Jesus was warning the crowd of the potential costs of being his disciple. And so this should prompt us to think about what are the potential costs today? For some of us, we do face that reality that if we choose to follow Jesus, that will at least cause difficulty or, or problems with our family. For some of us, that, that may mean that our family will choose to disown us or at least treat us badly if we choose to follow Jesus. That, that is sometimes a reality in Australia, but, but in other parts of the world, of course, that is a, a more severe reality. In Australia at the moment, fortunately, not many of us face the potential cost of losing our life for following Jesus. But in many parts of the world, that's a reality. And so Jesus' warning to his disciples way back then in the first century of what the cost might be and, and that you need to decide in advance that you're prepared to, to accept the cost of discipleship, it should prompt us, though, to think, what could be the potential cost for me? What's the cost of following Jesus today? And another way of thinking about it would be, what are you most afraid of losing? And are you prepared to say, I would put Jesus first above that? Jesus went on to give a couple of analogies to his disciples to, in, to encourage them to do due diligence on discipleship. In, in uh, Luke 14, 28 to 30, he said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. What a stinging rebuke. This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Many of us would have seen kind of construction projects that, that began with so much promise, but then the developer ran out of money and it, and it, and it sat there as an eyesore or as a, a shame for years. There's a building in Sydney um, that I used to drive past. I think it's called, it's not the World Trade Center, the World Square or something like that. But for my first kind of five years that I lived in Sydney, when when I would drive past this building, it was this kind of half-finished con concrete monstrosity. Uh, if you see the building it is today, it's, it's remarkable. But, but what had happened was the builder started to build it. It was going to be the tallest building in Sydney, therefore Australia, and then they ran out of money. 
And then and many people drove past and said, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. And so Jesus is saying, well, do your due diligence. Just as you should do due diligence when you're going to build a construction progress and make sure you have the funds to complete the project, think in advance, can I follow through with this? Then he suggests that we should do the same when it comes to discipleship. He tells another story, he says, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. And so it's foolish to begin a major construction project without first counting the potential costs. It's foolish to go to war without considering the costs or likelihood of success. Uh, these analogies, not many of us put up, put up your hand if you've built a tower. Put up your hand if you're a king that's considered going to war. One, one person in the room. <laughs> the coffee wars don't count. Um, and so these analogies are a little bit anachronistic to us, but Jesus is saying due, due diligence. To boil it right down to the simple idea, the question is, is there enough petrol in the tank to get you there? If you're going to leave Yass and, and drive to Sydney, it's pretty wise to check the fuel gauge. Is there enough petrol in the tank to get me there? Or at least a Goulburn where you can stop and fill up. Jesus is saying, think before you leap. Do due diligence on discipleship. Have you counted the cost? Have you considered where the line is for you? What cost would potentially be too high? So Jesus is not encouraging his disciples, or sorry, the crowd to not be disciples. Because when we consider the cost in advance, it prepares us to pay. It prepares us to be ready when the moment comes. It's those who haven't first considered the cost who, who kind of rush off and start building that end up with half-finished towers. It's those that don't consider the cost or the chances of success that rush off into battle and get slaughtered and lose everything. It's those followers of Jesus who, who kind of join the crowd and, and, and don't actually consider what's at stake for them who crumble, who lose their faith, who walk away when there's a price to pay for following Jesus. And so Jesus says, do due diligence, be ready. And he goes on to make clear, in case we haven't picked up along the way, what the cost of being a disciple truly is. He says in Luke 14, 33, in the same way, in the same way as, as you should count the cost before building a tower in the same way as you should consider the cost before going to war if you're a king or a coffee king. In the same way, those who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Jesus doesn't pull any punches. This is not a soft sell easy entry plan into discipleship. 
in the same way those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Jesus isn't saying we need to walk away from everything on the day we become his disciples. He's not saying that we all need to, you know, give away the house, walk away from the family, you know, even the shirt on our back, kind of throw it in the bin and walk off with nothing. He's not saying that we need to, to, to throw it all away on the day that we become his disciple, but he is saying we need to be prepared to. We need to be prepared, if we are to be his disciple, we need to be prepared to relentlessly and continuously choose Jesus no matter what it costs. The key word here is if. If. Will you continue to choose Jesus if your family rejects you for it? Will you continue to choose to follow Jesus if you lose everything that you own? Will you continue to follow Jesus if it costs you in your career or your business? because of the decisions that you make surrounding following Jesus? Will you continue to follow Jesus if it costs you your life or threatens your life? Will you continue to follow Jesus if it costs you your freedom? If the day comes where, where in our country or you're in another country that, that just choosing to be a disciple of Jesus or living out some of the choices associated with being a disciple of Jesus means that you are imprisoned for it. If that happens, will you continue to choose Jesus? The early followers of Jesus wrestled with this idea. They, they are the ones who were, were part of the crowd or, 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 or uh, in, in the case of others that were, came early to the faith that wrestled with this reality that it could cost them their life, it could cost them their family, it could cost them everything they owned simply if they chose to follow Jesus. And so we find the Apostle Paul... Sorry, this is not on my slides and I've clicked beyond it. So if you, can you just put that last one back up for me, James? We find the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, wrestling with this idea of, of it costing everything to follow Jesus. And he's talked about his past life and, and everything that he had, the status that he had, the, the position in society that he had. And in verse 7 of Philippians 3, he said, but whatever was to my profit, talking about his former life, I now consider lost, a loss, sorry, for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. But he says this, I consider them rubbish. The Greek word there means sludge or dung or muck. He said, everything that is, was valuable in his life, he's lost it because he's chosen to follow Jesus, but he considers it rubbish that he might gain Christ. And so Paul wrestled with this choice of, of the if. What if it costs me everything to follow Jesus? And his answer was, 
Well, if I lose everything but have Jesus, I've gained. Paul's response was, it is worth it. No matter what the cost, there's no cost too high. It's worth it to have Jesus. In John's Gospel, in chapter 6, verses 66 to 69, we, we find this moment here that John talks about where, where many of Jesus' disciples or his followers kind of listened to something hard that Jesus had to say and, and they kind of drifted off back into the shrubbery and walked away. And, and so Jesus turned to his core group of disciples, you know, the, 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 the 12 and in verse 66, we're told that from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Jesus looks at the twelve and says, are you still in? Simon Peter answered him, good old Simon Peter, always quick with an answer, said, Lord, whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And so faced with the reality that others were bowing out, that others had, had kind of seen the if, the what it could cost them, and they had drifted off and turned away from following Jesus. But the twelve and, and, and Peter as spokesperson said, well, where else would we go? You're the only one that has the words that lead to eternal life. You are the only holy one of God. If it costs us everything, then we're still in. Earlier in Luke's gospel, Jesus himself had already raised this idea of of it costing everything, but, but where else would you go? And in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 25, so this is earlier in the gospel, Jesus said this, then he said to them all, if you would come after me, sorry, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So it's a similar kind of idea. You must you know, hate yourself, deny yourself, denounce yourself in order to choose to follow me. Then he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. If you want to cling to all of the things, if you want to see the cost of following Jesus and say, no thanks, I'll keep my life, then Jesus says, well, ultimately it will cost you everything. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. And so there's the paradox that, that Jesus asks us to follow him no matter what the cost, and for some it costs absolutely everything. But Jesus says, that's how you will actually find yourself saved. That's how you will actually reap the harvest of everything. And it's in fact the decision not to pay the cost, not to follow through with discipleship on Jesus. It's that choice that leads to losing everything that has value. He sums it up in verse 25. He says, what good is it for a person to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self or soul? 
So just as a surgeon will encourage and, and, and share with, with the person they're about to operate on and, and say, you know, there's potential cost to this surgery. Um, and no matter what the surgery is, it seems that, you know, no matter how big or small it is, the potential cost always includes the you might die part of it. Um, something could go catastrophically wrong and you might die. But we know those of us that have had surgery and those of us that may have it in the future, we know that we do that for a reason. We don't have surgery just because there's some arbitrary cost involved. As I said, that's not the point of the surgery. The point of the surgery is for the benefit of it. And so in Luke 9, Jesus kind of shares this similar teaching and says, it's going to cost you potentially everything to follow me, but but if you balk at that choice, you'll lose everything anyway. If we follow Jesus, we could lose everything that this world values. But if we choose not to, if we choose to balk at the cost, then we will literally lose everything. And so Jesus encourages us to think about what might the cost be, to to consider the cost in advance to 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 kind of read the product disclosure statement and be prepared in advance because that's what readies us to face the cost of being his disciple. As I said, the key word is if. What if? Um, And as many of you would uh, kind of clearly assume of me, I I, I like um, experimental hip-hop bands. Um, Not really, I just like one in particular called Beautiful Eulogy. Um, it's an American Christian experimental hip-hop band. I had to Google kind of what genre they fit into. Um, but they have this song, I guess you would call it, this piece of music um, called If. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not going to play it for you because it goes by quite quickly, but I just want to read through the first verse of that because this is not a theological statement or document, but it just captures in in deep emotion this idea of being prepared to face the if. It says, if in one unfortunate moment you took everything that I own, everything you've given from heaven above and everything that I've ever known, if you stripped away my ministry, my influence, my reputation, my health, my happiness, my friends, my pride and my expectation, if you caused for me to suffer or to suffer for the cause of the cross. If if the cost of my allegiance is prison and all my freedoms are lost, if you take the breath from my lungs and make an end of my life, if you take the most precious part of me and take my kids and my wife, it would crush me, it would break me, it would suffocate and cause heartache. I would taste the bitter dark providence, but you would still preserve my faith. What's concealed in the having, sorry, what's concealed in the heart of having is revealed in the losing of things. And I can't even begin to imagine the sting that kind of pain brings. I would never blame you for evil, even if you cause me pain. I came into this world with nothing, and when I die, it will be the same. I will praise your name in the giving and taking away. If I have you, I can lose everything and still consider it gain. And so Jesus' words and his beautiful eulogy reflect upon Jesus doesn't want to break up your family. Jesus doesn't want you to lose your life. That's not his heart. But as he shared with his 
first century crowd of followers. And as he shares with us today through the scriptures, he he encourages us to think about the ear. Not that we might think about it and balk and walk away and drift off into the trees, but that we might think about it and choose in advance to be all in for Jesus, to hold nothing back, no matter what the cost. So Jesus is encouraging us here to cross the line in our heart before our feet have to. He's not encouraging the bravado of Peter that we see on the night of Jesus' betrayal where Peter says, I'll go with you anywhere, Jesus. I'll do anything. And and it all comes from his strength and most of us would know how that story ends. Hours later, Peter saying, I don't even know this Jesus guy. What Jesus is encouraging us to do is to decide now if that moment comes in our heart within ourselves to choose no matter what the cost I'm all in no matter what the cost I choose to be his disciple the reality is it's a choice that none of us can walk out in our own strength so it's a choice to lean upon the grace of God the empowering of the Holy Spirit and say make that choice but God when that moment comes I pray that you make me able to follow through it's a choice that we make in the knowledge that Jesus who invites us to give up everything for him has already given up all for us. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and, and 20, the Apostle Paul says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And later in 7, 23, he, he says, You were bought at a price do not become slaves of men. And so Paul is reminding us that that Jesus invites us to choose to follow him no matter what the cost has already spent everything he had for us. And so I'm going to pray this morning. And our worship team are, are going to lead us in a, in a final song reflecting on this. But what I, you know, often I ask for a response or, you know, an acted out answer this morning. But what I want to encourage this morning as, as we worship, you can stand or sit. Um, you can respond physically however you will. But 
what I want to encourage you as we sing or as we reflect on the words of Scripture or the song is just do internal work with the Holy Spirit. Make that decision for the first time or for the thousandth time. I choose Jesus no matter what the cost. I lose everything to have Jesus then I'm going to so let me pray and then let's take this time to let the Holy Spirit minister to us in this place and so Father as challenging and confronting as these words of Jesus are as difficult to swallow as they are we thank you for them you give us the grace from the Holy Spirit to choose Jesus to choose to follow him to choose to put him first in our life no matter what the cost and Holy Spirit I ask that you empower us to live out that decision strength we are unable in Jesus name we pray Amen. if you've been blessed and encouraged by this message we'd love for you to become a part of the Ask Baptist family log on to ycbc.church to find out more